you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Come on, somebody needs to speak victory over your family right now. Come on, parents, speak victory over your children right now. They may not be here with you this morning, but you can still speak victory over them right now. You can still speak victory over them wherever that they may be this morning. Come on, somebody lift your voice and shout victory unto the Lord right now. you come out to the house of the Lord this morning? How many are glad that you are in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. I don't know about you, but I could leave this place right now saying that I'm glad that I was in the house of the Lord. Amen. To all of our guests, I do want to tag in with what others have said this morning. We are so honored that you chose to worship with us here at Christian Life Church. One more time, would you give a big shout out to all of our guests that are in the building. Can I be honest with you? That's my favorite part. You know why? Because some of you hadn't made a peep all morning. No, I'm just teasing with you. We are so honored that you are here and uh, looking forward to what God has for us. If you have your Bibles, if I can draw your attention to 2 Kings chapter 3. I do kind of want to tag into what Pastor Dylan preached last Sunday night. He preached on faith. I want to kind of tag into that vein a little bit this morning, if you allow me to do so. How many are going to preach with the preacher? Come on, how many are going to preach with the preacher? That makes me feel so much better. 2 Kings chapter 3, verse number 16. And the Bible said, and he said, thus saith the Lord. Now let me tell you something. When somebody proceeds what they're about to say with thus saith the Lord, that's powerful. Let me tell you this too. If you ever look at somebody and say thus saith the Lord, you better make sure that the Lord told you to say that. But here... The Bible says, and he said, Thus saith the Lord, make this valley 
full of ditches. For thus saith the Lord, ye shall not see wind, neither shall ye see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water. That ye may drink, both ye and your cattle and your beasts. And this is but a light thing. Everybody say it's easy. This is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites also into your hand. We begin here in our text with Israel being limited. They are at a place where they cannot, they are not rather confident that they would even survive the place that they are in. And I believe that there are many here today, you are facing something in your life that you are in a place of desperation. And some of you may even come, may have come here today saying, I don't even know that I'm going to survive what I'm facing. Can I tell you that if that is you, and if you are in this place, and you've had those thoughts, and you've had those questions, let me tell you, you are not alone. You're not by yourself. It may feel like that you're all alone, that you're by yourself, and that God has brought you to this place to leave you. But can I tell you, He has not brought to you, brought you to where you are to leave you as you are. Oh, I feel my help right now. They were in this place. They were not even confident that they would survive. Not only did God speak to them and say, this situation is going to change, and you will survive, but when this transpires, when I work it all out and you're able to be revived, you will then go on the offense. I want to speak to somebody today that you've been on the defense. It seems like the enemy has attacked you on every side. It seems like you are. You wake up in the morning and when you should be on the offense that you've been on the defense because as soon as you wake up it seems like the devil has attacked you, that the devil has come against you. But I've come to tell you that you've spent enough time on the defense but God's about to take you to the offense and that which has been fighting you, you are going to now fight and you are going to overtake. here today, everything seems to be out of reach for you. But God is saying, but once I restore and revive you, there will be no challenge in front of you that I will not be able to give you strength and the power and the wherewithal to conquer. I want to preach to you for the next few moments on this thought in the absence of evidence. In the absence of of evidence. Put your Bibles down, your devices down, lift your hands to heaven right now, and let's ask God to speak to us in this place right now. Lord, by the authority of your word and by the power that is in your name, we call upon you today, God. You know what we are facing. You know what those that are here are facing. You know what they're fighting. You know what they are warring against, Lord. But I say that before we leave this place, God, that you would give us victory. God, God, that you would give us power, that you would give us faith, God, that you would give us a mind to fight, to keep going, to not throw in the towel, to not give up, to not lay by the wayside, to not allow the enemy to over 
overtake us, but God, we are more than conquerors through you. And Lord, right now, I pray that you would speak into every life, that you would speak into every mind, open our ears to hear, our minds to understand, and our hearts to receive what you are saying to your people. And we will give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name. Now, would you put your hands together and give God a shout? Lift your voice and give God a shout of praise. Oh, come on. That's not a very big shout. Somebody give God a shout of praise. You may be seated this morning. If you've lived in the Midwest, or let me say, if you lived in Indiana for any length of time, that you know that it is this time of year that the weather can be quite bipolar. Can I get an amen? Mm, Don't leave me all alone here because you all know what I'm talking about. In fact, they say if you don't like the weather here in Indiana, just wait five minutes and it will change. It can be unpredictable, especially this time of year. Let me tell you something. I drove in. We were at spring break. We got to go to Branson, Missouri, and... I was talking to somebody there just in a line, just kind of shook up a conversation with them, and they asked, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Indiana, and they gave me that look. And if you are from Indiana, you know that look. They gave me that look as though the cold weather followed me. And I said, listen, I didn't have anything to do with the 40-degree temperatures. Don't even look at me like that. I don't. I, it's not my fault. They say if you don't like the weather here, just wait a little bit and it will change. It, 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 can, it can be 70 degrees and sunny one day and then 20 degrees with 30 and 40 mile an hour winds and two inches of snow on the ground the next day. I, 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 will, I broke down the other day. I drove in on Friday night. And uh, we got home about 10.30, and uh, I was kind of wound up from my trip, so I was, I was sitting at the kitchen table eating a bowl of cereal at 11 o'clock at night. Maybe that's why I look like I look. And I looked out the, out the window, and I thought it was raining. And I thought, man, not raining. I, I got to looking closer, and I saw snow falling. And I began to weep. I begin to ask God, why? Why are we doing this? But I don't enjoy the weather. Although I don't enjoy the dramatic shifts from one extreme to another, I do, however, enjoy standing outside on the porch and watching the developing storm as it begins to roll in from the west. And you can see it coming at, in the distance, and the clouds begin to form, and they begin to roll, and the wind picks up and begins to blow. I enjoy that. I enjoy the smell of rain in the air. And you know that a storm is heading your way. But you do know that with that storm, you know that something is going to happen. And all you can do is watch as it begins to approach. Earlier in our text that we read a few moments ago, we find that Israel is in a dilemma. And it is leading them to a place where they desperately needed God to intervene. They needed a divine intervention that could only come from the Almighty God. And and in verse 5 of chapter 3, it says that Ahab, the king, died. And 
when Ahab died, the king of Moab then begins to rebel against the king, the new king of Israel. You see, Moab had been put in its place as long as the king of Israel, Ahab, was alive and was in charge. When Ahab, though, passed away, Moab began to rise up and say, we're not going to fulfill the responsibilities that we had to Ahab now that there is a new king. They said, we're not going to continue to do this, but we are going to now do our own thing. And I have found that on the hills, oftentimes, of a change of leadership or a change of authority, whether that be in the physical or whether that be in the spiritual, that when these things happen, there will be an uprising. Because what one leader or one person of authority seemed to have control of, the next person steps in. And they're going to have to establish their own authority. Listen to me right now. Some of you over the last few months have been taken to a new height in the spirit. You've been taken to a new level of authority. And it seems that the enemy has come against you like he has never come against you before. But let me tell you that when you rise to a new height, when you rise to a new level of authority, that is when the enemy begins to fight. And that's what we are seeing here in our text. Moab rises up and they are going to now test Israel as to say, are you going to put us in our place like we have been before? And is this going to continue or are things going to change? They are to see, they're about to see if you are willing to uphold the same type of authority and the same type of control as before. And that is what is going on in our text that I've read to you. And so, This comes to Israel in the form of the Moabites saying, we are no longer going to do what we have been obligated to do. And then we read in verse number 9, as the Bible says, the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and with the king of Edom. So Israel comes under attack. Give me just a moment. I'm laying a foundation, then we'll get to where I want to go. But Israel comes under attack from Moab, and Israel then realizes we can not handle this on our own. So they enlist the help of Judah and they enlist the help of Edom to come along with them and to try to reestablish control over Moab. And then the Bible says that they go on this journey in pursuit of Moab and they spend seven days traveling into the wilderness. These three armies, countless men, all of their livestock, everything that they had in life, they are going to find Moab and put them back in their place. And then the Bible tells us that after seven days of pursuing, they come to the place and there is no water for this for the for the armies and for the animals that followed them. They are seven days into this journey and they realize that we have no water and we can't continue. Understand with me. They said that they cannot continue. They've already gone seven days and going ahead would mean certain death for them. But in in on the flip side, they had no option to return to where they came from because they were seven more 
short day's journey back to where they came from. They said, we can't continue on. Our animals will not survive. The people following us, our armies will not survive. And let me tell you, we will not survive. And in an attempt to right the wrong and bring back control, desperation begins to set in. Am I talking to anybody today that you've gone on a journey to where you believe that God wanted to take you to and you get somewhere along the journey and you realize something pops up and you're in a desperate situation and you say, I can't continue. I can't continue to walk. I can't continue to fight. Let me pause and tell you that every time that you and I step out in faith and try to reestablish what has been taken from us, don't you be surprised if there isn't a moment of desperation that arises. I'm going to do this. I'm going to enlist all of of this help. Everything is going to work out just right, but just as soon as you start making a move, don't be surprised if you find yourself in a desperate situation. This is exactly what happened to Israel. We've got three armies. We're going to get this one group of people under control. They pursued, they journeyed for seven days and suddenly there isn't water to sustain them. There's no water for them to be able to continue in their pursuit and they find themselves in a place of desperation. Let me tell you that desperate times can come on us very quickly. And most of the time, those desperate moments come when we are trying to take our most aggressive step of faith. Come on, it's when you step out and you try to do something for God. It's when you step out and you try to right the wrongs. You try to get your life into control. You try to get your you try to get everything situated in your life and everything has been great, but the moment that you do that Am I talking to anybody this morning? The moment that you take that step of faith and say, I'm going to live for God wholeheartedly. And the moment you take that step of faith and say, I'm going to commit like I've never committed before. Then you find yourself in a desperate situation and you're wondering, where are you, God? Let me say it this way. Sometimes we ask, just like the children of Israel asked Moses when they said, why have you led us in this wilderness to die? So we find that there's no water. And without this life source, pressing on for them would have proven to be impossible. They could not go on without water. It was not an option. It was simply a deal breaker for them. In the moments, let me say it like this, in the moments of desperation, there will always be a need for some type of outside help. They could not go on without being sustained, but they were in a place where they needed help like they'd never needed help before. Israel needed Judah and Edom to go with them to fight, yes, and because they, they could not pursue Moab on their own. But can I tell you, if you're going to go at life alone, then you're doing it the wrong way. But you and I need others that will join with us in our pursuit. We need people that will be with us no matter how tough times may get. The 
Bible does tell us to be careful and, and, and to have knowledge that if you are going to go alone, if you're trying to pursue by yourself, you are not going to survive. But let me tell you, it is better to have two than to have one because... <laughs> It's better to have two than to have one because when the one falls, the other is there to pick them up. We all stumble and we all fall from time to time. But falling is not the tragedy. But the tragedy is not getting back up when you fall because sometimes the fall can cause an injury that won't allow us to get back up on our own. But I want to make sure that when I do fall because I will, that my brothers and my sisters are there to help pick me up. That's why you need the church. That's You need a support system that is there for you when you need help. Not only do we need other armies, but we cannot survive our struggle without God's help. Not only did they need the armies when they begin, but once they were on this journey and desperation set in, set in, they needed God's intervention now. We don't just, they said, we don't just need others. We don't just need another army, but we need God to help us. I don't just need another army to come alongside me, but I need somebody that can cause a river to flow when everything else in my life is dried up, when it all seems like it's over for me. I need the divine intervention of God home by me. Behalf. Verse 11 says that Jehoshaphat said, Is there not a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? In our text, early in our text, verse 11, the king said, Is there not a prophet? Is there not a man of God that knows what the voice of God sounds like? Is there not a man of God that we can go to and inquire of him, that he can go to God on our behalf, and then that he can in turn tell us what the Lord is trying to say to us? Is there, is there not a prophet? Is there not somebody? We are desperate there's no water, and we need to find a man of God to help us. Is there no prophet of the Lord through whom we may inquire? One servant speaks up, and he says, there, there is a guy, and his name is Elisha. He, he's, he's very interesting. He's, you'll like him. He's not only interesting, but he's kind of a unique and a special kind of person. He's, he's no ordinary man, Jehoshaphat. But there is a man named Elisha. He, he was the guy who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And he said, Elisha is here. And this is the guy that followed Elijah and poured water onto his hands. In other words, he was a servant to the man of God. He was the one that served Elijah. His name is Elisha, and he happens to be here. He happens. Je Jehoshaphat said, go get him because I believe that the word of the Lord is with him. 
He said, I believe that the word of the Lord is with him because if he followed Elijah and if he poured water on Elijah's hand, if he invested that way, then the word of the Lord is with that man. And so the Bible tells us that the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, and the king of Edom went down to Elisha. Now understand, they went to the man of God. They found him. They went to where he was, but the situation had not yet changed. They said, we found a man that could go to God on our behalf. We're going to go down to him. We're going to see what God has to say. But they were in the same situation. They were still desperate. They still didn't know what was going to happen. They still didn't believe that they could make it through their situation. They were still in lack. They were still in desperation. They still needed water, but the servant said, Elisha is close by. And so Jehoshaphat convinces his cohorts to go with him and to get Elisha because the word of the Lord was with him. But hear me when I say that when you're in a place of desperation, the very first thing that you need is somebody in your life that can hear from God. Come on, let me say that again. When you are in a place where you're desperate and you don't know where to turn, the thing that you need the most in your life is a man of God or a woman of God that knows how to get a hold of God for you. Come on, when you are at the end of your rope and you can't feel God any way around and you feel like it's going to take you out, you need somebody in your life that can go to God on your behalf. Jehoshaphat said, is there a prophet? Is there a man of God? Is there somebody? Is there somebody around here that can touch God? And then God can in turn touch him, and we can find out what we need to do. Don't go at life alone. Get people around you. Surround yourself. By people that know how to get a, come on, because there are times in our lives when we seem, it seems like we can't get a hold of God. The writer says, I turn to the left, I turn to the right, I look in front of me, and I look behind me, but I can't perceive him, I can't feel him, I can't hear him. We all face times like that when we don't know where God is, and we're not even sure that he knows where we're at, but in those times, you got to make sure that there is somebody in your life that can hear the voice of God when you can't hear the voice of God. And when you get to a place where you realize that people can't change the situation, but only God can change the situation, then start looking for somebody who can tell you what God is saying and bring change into your situation. That's why it's vital that you must have a man or a woman of God in your life that you are submitted to that can speak life-altering direction to you. I don't want somebody who just speaks what I want to hear, but I want somebody speaking into my life who has heard from God. Hear me when God, God will never contradict His Word. 
God will never send somebody into your life that is contradicting, saying something that contradicts what this book is saying. God will never speak something to you that contradicts what his word is saying. And if there is somebody in your life and there is somebody in your ear that is telling you something other than what the Bible says, you need to mark them and you need to set them aside and you need to get somebody in your life that has knows what the Word of God is for you. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? Let me tell you something. I'm going to be real with you. Just because somebody tells you God told me, just because somebody looks at you Brother Jerry says, thus saith the word of the Lord, doesn't necessarily mean that's what the word of the Lord is. Hello? Just because somebody says, I have a word from you, doesn't necessarily mean that it's a word from God and they've got your best interest in heart. I've had many people that come to me and said, God said... And then they tell me something that I knew didn't line up with the Word of God. You know what I said? Thank you very much. God bless you. Go on about your way. But then I've had others that said that God told me to tell you. And I felt the Shekinah glory of God as it began to fall because I knew that it was a word from the Lord. Listen to me. There are all kinds of people that don't have your best interest at heart. And you better make sure that when somebody comes to you and says, the Lord told me to tell you, you better make sure that God told them to tell you. You better make sure that that was a word from you. And it wasn't just a word of man. That's why. You need people in your life that you can trust. You got to know what their life is. You got to know that their life matches up with this book. You got to know that they have a prayer life. You got to know that they know how to get a hold of God before you believe what they are telling you. Get people in your life that know how to hear the word of the Lord. I don't want somebody just speaking to me what I want to hear. That's why when I come into the house of God and I sit over here and pastors preaching or some other one of our other ministers are preaching and, and God begins to deal with them when they're preaching and it becomes painful for me to hear because I know it's what God is wanting to change in my life. I thank God for those kind of men. I thank God for those kind of women when, when what they are telling me begins to challenge me and it becomes a little painful and it's not like what I necessarily want to hear but I don't need somebody just speaking in me, trying to tickle my ear and telling me what I want to hear. But I need somebody speaking into my life that has heard from God. Somebody speaking into my life that will speak the word of God to me. I don't need, I don't, I don't have time. I don't have time for someone that doesn't have a prayer life. time for someone that doesn't have their nose in this book. Hello? I don't have time 
for them coming to me telling me, God told me to tell you this or God impressed me this. That's fine and dandy. I, you, we can still be friends. We can still go out and eat. We can still hang out a little bit. But I don't need that person speaking into my life. But I need somebody. I need somebody that will speak what God is trying to tell me. The first thing I see here is that somebody first had to hear from God, but the second thing I see is that it had to be somebody who was connected to what Israel needed. We need to find people who are connected. Everybody say connected. Connected to what it is that we need. If you are in a place of desperation, the last person you want to ask for advice is someone who has never been in a place of desperation. You see, we got a lot of people that are going to, to others uh, with their problems and their situation. They're going to others uh, for advice, and they're going to people that have never been where they are. I don't want to go to somebody that for, for direction. I don't want to go to someone that, for advice that has never been through what I am going through. But I want to go to someone that has been there. It's been proven. They've been in a place of desperation. And so I want to go to them because I know that they made it out, that God brought them through, that they trusted in the Lord. That's the person that I want to go and, and to speak to and ask and ask advice of how to get out of the place that I'm in. I don't want people that have no clue what I'm going through. I don't want to go to people who have no idea what is happening in my situation or in my life, but I want to find someone that is connected to what it is that I need. You see, what Israel needed at that moment was not a greater army. What they needed at that moment was not more people. See, sometimes we need someone who can represent God in our situation and begin to speak things to us that will bring change and not just cause us to go on like we are. We need someone who is connected to what we need and has sacrificed for a greater return. What they needed was water, so they had to get in connection with someone who was familiar with water. And so they said, it's Elisha. He's the one that poured water onto the hands of the prophet. Here is a guy that took what we need, and he began to pour it out. He didn't drink it. He didn't consume it. He didn't take it for his own benefit, but he took what they needed and it was that substance that he poured onto the hands of the man of God in his life. And as a result of what he sacrificed, there would be no doubt a return coming to him. He's got a return from God coming into his life, and we need water. So let's go get on his side and hear what God has to say because everything that we need, he's connected with. Not only is he connected with it, but he sacrificed it for something even greater. I love what the Bible says here. It says that Jehoshaphat said that the word of the Lord is with Elisha. We need somebody with a word that would matter in our situation. So we need someone that can hear from God, and we need somebody who is connected to what we need and has sacrificed it 
for a greater blessing or a greater return in their life. We need somebody with the only word that matters in our life. A lot of people tell us a lot of different things. And honestly, many of these things that we hear and advice that we receive isn't going to change our situation at all. Because most of the times we're just looking for someone to sympathize with us. We're just looking for someone that we can sit down with and bear our soul. And we're looking for someone that we can just complain about where we're at and what we're going through. I hear a lot of stuff, but it's not necessarily the stuff that's going to change my situation at all. But God, let me be connected with someone who will reveal the only word that matters, that when I'm in a place of desperation, God, bring me in connection with somebody that's been where I've been, but they've made it through. They didn't lose out. They didn't throw in the towel. They didn't turn their back and give up, but they got in contact with God. They got contact in contact with the living source that would change their situation. God put me in contact with somebody like that when I find myself in a place of desperation. You see, they didn't need to know the things that were happening back home. They didn't need to know, didn't need someone to tell them that the sun would rise another day or they, they didn't need to know Someone to tell them to just hold on that it's going to get better because in their situation, they didn't have any promise that it would get any better. Let me tell you something right now. In life, there's never, there's, we find ourselves in situations all the time where we don't know. We don't know with all assurity that things are going to get any better ourselves in dark places, walking through dark times, walking through valleys where there is no promise that anything is ever going to get better. Sometimes we find ourselves at a place where we're as low as we've ever been and we're trying, we're trying to grasp a hold of some, grab a hold of something, but there we, we can't seem to find it. And there, we're not even sure if there's anything for us to grab a hold of. But they needed, Israel found themselves in such a place and they needed someone who could speak a, a specific word into their situation. And that would be the only word that mattered to them. The, the stream bed, the river bed was dry and they needed a river to begin to flow where there is now dryness. So the Bible tells us Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 and 1, it says it like this. Now faith, Brother Dylan quoted it last week. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Let me, let me quote that again. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. It is in the absence of evidence you have to see that faith can make up the difference for you. One of the highlighted verses in all of Scripture and a staple in the life of all those who are succeeding in their walk with God are those who understand now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things 
things not seen. But I fear and I dare to say that we really don't understand this verse of Scripture like we should. And it is my prayer today that God would allow us before we ever walk out of this building, that God would bring us to a place of new revelation and of the power, of the power that we have through our faith. When you are standing at a dry riverbed and you don't know how you're going to make it, you've enlisted friends and you've done everything that you can do, you are on pursuit because you believe that the right thing is to go and try to regain control you and to try to get authority back, to try to do whatever it is that you are called to do. But now you are desperate. Can I tell you that don't, can I tell you right now, don't give up and don't overlook and don't negate your faith because when nothing else can change the situation, faith can change the situation. When nothing else can turn it around, faith can turn it around. When you are looking at it and you can't see any possible way through, faith becomes a deciding factor. Faith is the game changer. the song when I was a kid. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. You may have heard that song. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. You don't need a whole lot. Come on, just use what you've got. When everything is upside down and there is one thing that can cause it all to be right-sided and it can cause everything to come back together. And that one thing is faith. And if you try to live your life without faith, you will always be in a place of not knowing when to stand up and when to sit down. If you try to live your life without faith, faith, you will always be in a place when, when you don't know when to declare and when to surrender. You'll be in a place when you don't know when to give in and when to be bold. So God help us to understand that we have been afforded a great privilege and that privilege is called faith. Come on, it's a game changer. It's an eternity changer. It's a circumstance changer. It's a whatever you're going through changer. Faith can change it all. Faith can bring you through. Faith has the potential to put out the sort of things in our life and get those things into proper perspective. Faith. Well, you're saying, well, preacher, are you, are you preaching a name it and claim it? Yeah, I kind of am because it's faith. That will get us through. We can't do it on our own. We can't, we can't, we can't cause water to flow where, where we need a water to flow through a, a dry riverbed. But we can have faith that God can do it. Come on. Without faith, we'll never see the impossible. But with faith, all things are possible. With faith, God will bring us through. Through faith. Through faith. Drawing to a close, how we view the circumstances in life can literally provide potential victory, but it can also bring sure defeat. So we got to ask ourselves, how am I looking at this? What is my perspective? What, what am I seeing? The Bible says in 2 Kings 3.16, and he said, Thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. 
We need a prophet. We need someone to hear from God. Well, he's here. And this is what he's saying. He's saying you're looking at a dry, impossible stream bed. But God is telling you, you don't see anything happening. There's no water anywhere around. And the prophet looks at him and he says, I want you to go through this valley. And I want you to begin to dig ditches. He said, there's nothing here right now. But go ahead and begin to dig because the water is coming. But before the water comes, you've got to prepare. Because if the water, if you haven't done your preparation, you haven't dug ditches, you haven't dug holes to hold the water, when the water begins to flow, it'll flow right past and it will go downstream, and then you'll find yourself back in the situation that you're in right now. But he said, begin to dig. Begin to dig holding places for the water. He said, you're looking at it right now, and there's nothing, but I want you to begin to prepare. And then 2 Kings 3 and 17 tells us this, For thus saith the Lord, ye shall not see wind. not going to see rain. Yet this valley shall be filled with water, that ye may drink, both ye and your cattle and your beasts. What looked impossible was only a small thing for the Lord to do. How do you get a dry riverbed to flow with water again? I'll tell you how you do it. You get God on your side. You want to know how you get your life all worked out and all straightened out? You get God. You want to know how to get your family put back together again? You get God in your family. You want to know how to have peace in your home? You get God in your home. You want to know how to have peace in your life? You get God in your life. He said, you've been looking for a sign. And he said, you're not going to see the wind. You're not going to see the rain. But that dry bed is going to be filled with water. Can I tell you that some of us are saying, sitting back saying, well, just as soon as I can catch a break. Listen, I, I'm one of those guys. I, I, I would love, I would love for God to come and write his answers on a wall. That's, the, that's what I need. I, I wish that God would take his finger and write on a wall, thus saith me, I want you to do this. Or I want you. But can I tell you that God doesn't work that way? I wish he did. You ever been sitting in a service and say, God, I, I need to make this decision. And, and if, if you want me to do this, then let sister so-and-so take a lap around the church. Let, 
If, if, if this is what you want me to do, let the praise team sing this song. And we, we want a sign. We want God showing us. We want God, because we want to know how it's all going to work out. We want to make sure that it actually is going to work out. But some of us are sitting back saying, just as soon as I can catch a break or as soon as I can just get a word of confirmation, as soon as I can just see something that can turn this whole thing around. But God said, you're not going to see any of that. How do you stand and trust God when He is showing you no evidence that anything's going to change? The only thing that you can do is hold on to faith because faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. So when I can't see rain, I can hold on to faith. When, I, when you can't feel wind, you can hold on to faith. When it looks like it's over for you, your faith will fill in all the gaps because it's in the absence of evidence that there is faith. Faith says, don't give up. Faith says, don't quit. Faith says, don't throw in the towel. Faith says, don't hang it up. Faith says, God is about to turn it. Faith says, God's about to show up. Faith says, God is about to come through for you. what the Bible says about it. That when he comes looking, the thing that he will look for is faith. He's going to see, he's going to look to see how faithful I was. He's going to look to see how consistent I was. We have all these measurements that we go by that we think that God is going to look for. But the Bible says that he is looking for faith. The Bible says it like this. When Simon Peter is being tested, Jesus looked at him and said, Simon, I prayed for you that your faith fail not. God, help us to understand just how massive this principle, this truth is that if you are, if you're standing today facing a dry river, that faith can be the very element that turns it all around for you. When you don't see the break, when you don't see the potential in the situation, when you don't think the doctor is going to come back with a different report, faith says, I'm not looking for any of that. I'm not looking for a sign. My perspective is that God is able. If he does, I'll praise him. If he doesn't, I'll praise him. When there is no evidence in life, God steps in and causes a river to begin to flow. Don't leave faith out of the equation. Today, I preach my heart to you. I preach to you the best that I know how. But some of you are in this place and you have lost faith. It looks, it's been so bad for so long and you felt alone for so long that you don't think that you're ever going to make it through. But can I tell you, if you can just somehow muster your faith and believe that God is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think maybe you're here and you don't have faith uh, 
active in your life, then can I tell you that you need to come down to this altar and you need to you need to pray that God would activate that faith in you once again. Maybe you're here and you used to have faith, but it, it has left you and it seems like it's never, ever going to come back. Can I tell you that God can restore your faith today, that God can restore your faith in Him today, but you got to have you got to take a step. you got to start on a journey and say, God, whatever it is that I have to do, God, would you restore faith in me once again? If I've preached to you today, this altar is open. Let's come down here to the front and let's spend some time and let's ask God to, to reactivate our faith. Let's ask God, Lord, I'm not looking for a sign. I don't need a sign, but I know that you are in my situation. I know that you're working on my behalf. And God, I believe that you're able to do it today. Faith is the thing that will bring you through. Faith is the thing that will keep you in the fight. Faith is the thing that will keep you in the journey. Faith is the thing that will cause you to dig ditches in a dry riverbed, expecting that God is going to send the life-sustaining water that you've been praying for. Come on, you're here. You've been praying for your family. You've been praying for your relationship. And it has not happened yet. But hold on to faith. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't throw in the towel. God's about to work on your behalf. God's about to bring change into your life. You can stand on faith. You can stand on the word of God. Stop, you never stop, you never stop, you 
you are still able. God, help me have faith to know that even when it's all dry and dead around me, that you are about to bring life, that you are about to bring about victory in my situation. Maybe you've come here with that kind of desperation that says, I'm about this close to just giving up because I've been praying and I've been fasting. I've been seeking God, but it hasn't happened yet. And maybe you've come here giving it one more shot, saying, God, maybe today will be the day, but I need your help. But what I want you to do right now, all over this building, I want you to picture in your mind, I want you to look at that situation I want you to look at that thing that you are desperate for, that thing that you've tried, everything that you know to do, but everything you try seems to fail, or can I say that everything you try seems to make things worse? Anybody ever been there? You've tried it, and it seems like the harder you try, the worse things get. You're in good company today, because we've all been there. We've all been there. Can I get somebody to testify that we have all been there? I've said it before. We, we tend to come in all of our problems, and we're, we're desperate, and we, we're standing in the altar, or we sit in a service, and we look all around, and everybody's dressed nice. Everybody's got their tie tied just right, hair fixed just right. Everybody's well put together. It looks like we got all we got it all together. It looks like we everything's perfect in our life. But can I tell you, you don't know what I'm facing. You don't know what the person next to you is dealing with. You don't know the phone call that they got this week. Hello? You don't know what they've been fighting this week. It's easy to look and say, well, they've got it all together. They don't have problems like I have. But can I tell you, we all have problems. We all have shortcomings. We all have things that we deal with. Don't be fooled because somebody looks like they've got it all together. Because we don't. 
I don't. You don't. You may not fight what I fight. I don't, may not fight what you fight. But let me tell you, we all know the same God. We know the same one that is able to do anything. We know the same one in whom we put our trust. We know the same one that orchestrated all things, that created nothing with just a spoken word. We all know the same God. What I want us to do in this place, I want you to get in your mind that thing that you're facing, the thing that you're dealing with. And I want us all collectively here in just a moment, we're all going to lift our hands all across this building. And we are go we're going to take a moment and say, God, I have asked for, I've asked for confirmation. I've asked for a sign. God, I may not have seen it yet. But I'm telling you right now, I, we're going we're to put our faith in you, God. I'm going to put my faith in my trust. It, they, they, they haven't been saved yet, but I believe that they are coming back to salvation. They may not be living like they should be living, but I believe, God, that you are able. It may not look like what I want it to look like, but, God, I believe that you're going to work everything out for my good. I want you to lift your hands all across this building right now and I want you to begin to speak to that situation. Begin to declare the word of the Lord over that situation by the authority of the word of God and by the power of the name of Jesus. God, we stand on faith. God, we trust you. We believe that you are working all things together for our good, God. That you are about to bring change. That you're about to bring salvation. God, I may be at my wit's end right now, but I believe, God, that you're going to bring me through. My faith will sustain me. God, you will sustain me. I speak to that situation, God, and I stand on faith knowing that you are going to do all things, that you are going to bring about victory for my life. Oh, somebody lift your voice and begin to declare it in the name of Jesus. That is who I am. 